just sulky, over bulky, kinda hulky superhero. Hot to twisted and electrically transistored superhero. An exotically neurotic and aquatic superhero. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hello and welcome to Marvel Vision, a Marvel Studios TV podcast brought to you by Cinema Sangha. And my name is Devin Faraci, and joining me as always. Hello, it's Derek Faraci. How are you, Devin? I'm good, Derek. I'm good. How you doing? I'm okay. That's it? Just okay? I, I had this plan for today. I I was gonna surprise you with it. Okay. I bought I bought a sound effects machine that I could connect to my computer. I was like, this would be great because I can make sound effects during the show. And uh it works, but for it to work, I can't have my mic on, so it doesn't work. So it's kind of you, a you need a mixing board for that kind of thing. That's what you need. You need a mixing well, that, board. That, that's yeah. what it is. It's a mixing board with like sound effects in it, but it just, I can't get it to work. I can't get it to, because my mic isn't the, the kind like the, the spot that they have for the mic, my mic doesn't plug into it. Like it, it my mic is like a, a USB C, but it needs a USB micro B. So it's like, I can't plug it in. And so it's well, listen, I got to say, I'm sorry that you spent the money on this. Uh, but I'm glad it doesn't work. I don't want morning zoo sound effects on these podcasts. It's, it's got it's got cheering and laughter no. and gunshots. No, I do not want that. <laughs> no, I don't want any of that. No. No. <laughs> How much you pay for that? It was fifteen dollars. Oh, okay. So that's reasonable. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just gonna return it because I can't use it. So there you go. Where'd you get it from? Amazon. There you go. Yeah. Uh, that's but okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad. I'm again. I'm sad that it didn't work, but I'm also glad it didn't work because I just do not need all of that business here on these podcasts. <laughs> um, speaking of these podcasts, uh, if you're listening to this right now, you might be listening to this on our free feed. Congratulations, you uh, you 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 game the system. You get this for free, but. We are gearing up to record the next episode of our brand new movie superhero podcast called Watch Men, and we're going to be talking about Batman Returns, and we're recording that this week. It'll be debuting this week, so this is the opportunity for you to join Cinema Sangha, the Patreon, at www.patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. And uh, at the $5 or above level, you'll get that podcast, this podcast, and our Star Wars podcast, The Bad Batch, where we talk about Star Wars TV shows every single week. And there's a new Star Wars TV show starting in about two weeks. So this is a good opportunity to get in and get all three podcasts if you yeah. are in at $5 or above. And if you enjoy this one, the, the Star Wars one has like 100 hours of material you can listen to. Something like that. Exciting. Yeah, you really like that. And yeah. there's the – we did Zack Snyder's Justice League as well. So Yeah, there's a lot of material in the backlog. So you can really go through it and you can really hear as we go from truly amateurish to like mildly amateurish podcasters. <laughs> That's been the journey of this show. Uh, so <laughs> but we, I, I watched Batman Returns today and it was did exciting. You? Yeah, because okay. I got to watch it and I got to think about all the scenes that you were going to complain about. Oh, every scene. So, <laughs> not a fan of the movie. Not a fan. Don't tell the kids that. They, they, oh, sorry. You know, it's, that's 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 five dollar information. Don't you? Or know maybe I am. Who knows? <laughs> All right. We got any Marvel news this week? We have two. I think relatively big pieces of Marvel news. What are they? 
Um, possibly three, but I don't know if we want to discuss the third one. Uh, the first one is that Ed Brubaker, the co-creator of The Winter Soldier, uh, was on the Kevin Smith podcast and really laid into Marvel and how he's just not paid for the use of The Winter Soldier. Yeah. And uh, how upset he is about it. And um, he thinks that he's made more money off of his cameo in Captain America Civil War than he's been paid for the way that they've used the Winter Soldier in the in the movies. And he thinks that that's bunk. Yep. And, um, yeah, so that's his feeling. On so, it. you know, the thing is that Marvel does not pay well for using your characters. DC pays really well. Um, so I don't know if they, Ed they talked about no, this. No one's, no one's sure if they still pay well because there is new management, so no one knows what the current deal is. Well, so – I've, I've known Ed for a very long time, and uh, I haven't spoken to him in a little while, but um, we, we, I've known Jeff for a very, very long time. And I can tell you that um, when they announced Captain America the Winter Soldier at Comic-Con, like before they started shooting, right? They just like did like an announcement in Hall H of like what the next Captain America movie was going to be called. Yeah. It, they announced the Winter Soldier. And I texted Ed, and I was the first person to tell him that the next Marvel movie was called Captain America, the Winter wow. Soldier. I mean, they brought him in for a cameo and stuff eventually, but yeah. when they actually announced it before the movie was made, he, did, he didn't even know they were doing it. Was this the thing where the first it said Serpent Society? No, that was, was that for Civil, Civil War. War. That okay. was when they announced okay. Civil War. Um, okay. So uh, that was at a special event at the El Capitan Theater. It was a pretty good event. Um, so, you know, he gets paid pretty well every time any of the Gotham Central characters Characters that he created show up and they show yes. up all the time now. Yeah. And they possibly will be showing up on the new HBO Max show. Well, he said in the same interview that uh, from his understanding there that Warner Brothers and DC are going out of their way to make sure that the new got the new Gotham Central TV show they're doing will not be called Gotham Central. So that they don't have to pay him for it, I guess. Is the idea. Well, they were paying for the characters, you know, like yeah. what he, I think he invented, he created Rimini Montoya, I believe. Um, and, uh, and, uh, Christmas Allen as well. Yeah, I think, yeah. Right? yeah. And so he created a couple of these characters and, or he co-created them, I should say, um, yes. cause he's a writer and an artist co-creates with the writer. Um, but yeah, so the, um, he was making good money on these. He was making, you know, a couple of different characters that he created for DC. He made some pretty good money on when they showed up. Um, what's his name who created KG beast? Jim Starlin. He made a bunch of KG money. beast. Yeah. KGB appears in Batman v Superman. Never called KGB. Never called KGB. I don't even think they say his character's actual name, like his human civilian name. Yeah. He just shows up like he's just there. And Jim Starlin has said he's been paid more for that than he's been paid for Thanos, Gamera, and uh, Drax in all of their appearances in the Marvel movies. That's insane. That's wild. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Now, I, I will say. I don't know how much Brubaker should get paid for the Winter Soldier because he didn't create a character. He evolved a character. So I understand this argument and I disagree with it fundamentally because he didn't just evolve the character. He, he, the Winter Soldier is not is legitimately not an evolution of Bucky. It's a total reimagining of Bucky. He has no bearing. The way that he created a new story for Bucky, which is what they use in the movies, that wasn't Bucky's story. He wasn't Captain America's wet works guy. That's Ed. Ed did that. And um, taking that character and creating all the stuff that makes him the Winter Soldier, I think, is fundamental to that character. And I think it's, that – I agree it's fundamental to that character, but it's still taking Bucky – and being like, oh, we're going to retcon him and do this stuff with him. It's not a new character. What I do think he should be paid for is that they use his story 
the same as how you would pay to, you know, oh, we're going to make a, a movie out of your book. We're going to pay you for the rights of the book. I know he doesn't own the rights to, to the comic because it's Marvel, but it is a story he created and he should be paid well for that. And he should be paid something for the Winter Soldier. And uh, I don't know who the artist was originally that, that worked on the Winter Soldier with him. But it, like, I mean, does, should Marv Wolfman and George Perez get money for Wally West because they they introduced him as Flash at the end of Crisis on Infinite Earths, even though that was a editorial decision? Like, this is where I think we run into issues. I think that the issue becomes when the people who create the character in terms of their defined personality. So that's where it gets a little bit weird with Wally West because they have used Wally West and that made him actually Barry Allen. They've used Barry Allen and made him, given him Wally West personality. Uh, it's sort of, uh, or they've given him, you know, uh, uh, what's his name's Impulse's personality even at this point. Yeah. Um, it's sort of weird in that area when we're getting deep into, but this is not like putting a different person in the costume. Um, I like putting Falcon in the Captain America costume. I feel like he's not creating a new character, but I do feel like the winter soldier is a new character and the he's a character that's riffing on and evolving from an existing character, but he's fundamentally not that character. Uh, and I think that that the winter soldier is a character who could work without being Bucky, but him being Bucky creates a big element of what he is, but he's still a character that could work on his own, both on terms of design, the history and all this other stuff. He could be retconned into one of the howling commandos or something. You know what I mean? Like making him Bucky makes it better, obviously. Um, and I remember when that was announced and I was like, this is the worst fucking idea ever. I can't believe they're so fucking bankrupt. They're going to bring Bucky back from the dead. It was Um, announced at the same time as DC announced that they were bringing Jason Todd back from the dead. Right. And I am on record being like, Jason Todd makes perfect sense to bring him back from the dead. You have Rachel Ghoul steal the body, put him into a Lazarus pit. Boom, boom, boom. He's back to life. Genius. Bucky, insane. Terrible idea. And then when they came out, uh, DC had a far worse idea of how to bring back Jason Todd by having Superboy punch reality. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> which is a very goofy idea. And Ed Brubaker came up with a genius way to bring back Bucky. So yeah, I was unbelievably wrong. Yeah, what a great story. I mean, like, what a great fucking story. Um, yeah. It's 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 redefined the character. So I think that Ed redefined the character fundamentally. Um, and I do think that he he is uh, a sense, an essentially new character. Uh, it has elements. It doesn't even have elements of the old character. It has the connection to the name. That's about it. You know, um, and this isn't the first time that Marvel's done this. They've taken characters from the timelier Atlas days and remade them. Wizard. Like the, the Human yeah. Torch. Human Torch. That's a different character. Yes. Like on the image and on name, it's the same character, but it's so fundamentally different character. Johnny Storm yes. is so different from the Android Human Torch. Vastly different. Vastly so, different. Yeah. So I think Ed des- deserves money for this. I think that Marvel des- should throw him some significant change, especially now that Winter Soldier has got his own fucking TV show. It's just it's crazy to me. I, I, I'm mainly surprised that Marvel did not change their methods when the, the Bill Mantlo stuff came out, where Bill Mantlo created uh, Rocket Raccoon with Keith Geffen, and Bill Mantlo years ago was in a horrible accident, and he was left brain damaged, and here they are making – loads of cash off of rocket raccoon and bill mantlo is living in like an assisted living home that is not very nice and everyone was like why marvel help this guy out <laughs> like, like like and and he didn't just create rocket raccoon he created a bunch of characters from marvel yeah, bill mantlo was a like, big deal he was a big deal in the 70s yeah yeah he was a huge huge writer and and he after that i thought for sure that that would be a thing that would lead marvel to be like oh we're create you know hey we've decided to create a 
a system similar to DC where they can't, they, the reason why they can't, and they, they should, but they can't because, um, because the Jack Kirby of it all. And that's where it becomes a problem that basically Marvel would just become a, um, a machine feeding money, the Kirby estate, which is what they should be doing by the way. Well, um, but, but that's why you do what DC did. Because DC setup is the person who created it has to contact us and say, that's my creation. This is what you owe me according to our agreements. So then that's how they got around the whole problem with Siegel and Schuster and Superman was, well, they're dead. They can't claim the money. So, so it has well, no, to they be. Haven't, they person. haven't arranged. No, they have an arrangement with this with those estates. Well, yeah, because, because, because those estates kept suing. Yeah, those yeah. estates, and even the comics, it always says created by Siegel and Schuster. Not just created by. It's in association with. In association with, with the Siegel estate family. Or uh, family Siegel estate, yeah, yeah. Uh, Schuster does not get that. For I don't know why. I don't know how that it's all worked. A legal, legal thing. I'm sure some yeah. lawsuit made yeah. it in one direction and didn't make it in the other. Yeah, but but my understanding at least is DC's thing is the person who created the character has to be alive to claim them. These are all predatory corporations that are fucking over artists. And here's the thing yeah. is that if they're going to use even an idea that an artist or a writer had, they should pay that artist and writer, period, the end of the story. Uh, the amount of money that Marvel makes off of these movies and TV shows is fucking astronomical, and they can definitely throw money at every single person who ever worked on one of these characters whose oh, concepts they use. Without I mean, that's doubt. at the end of the day. I think that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. I, so, I mean, it's, it's the kind of thing where like, you know, uh, Bill Messner Loeb's a personal favorite writer of mine uh, is constantly on the verge, verge of homelessness. And he created tons of stuff for Marvel and DC, mainly DC, but also for Marvel. And he doesn't seem to get anything out of it. And it's real weird. You know, it's like, I don't know why he doesn't seem to, to get any of the love from DC. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how this stuff works. Again, it's all predatory corporate capitalism. I think it's really unfortunate. We're here. have a, podcast where we're promoting this corporate capitalism we're making um disney investors rich but and not the artists <laughs> but i like to think that we talk about the artists and the writers so we like yeah. bring some attention to them at least i don't know yeah. anyway anyway what's our next piece of news our next piece of news is that alfred molina uh doesn't care about ndas and just rambled on and on about how he's in the next spider-man movie yeah yeah he sure is and he's being de-aged <laughs> Being de-aged, and it's going to pick up right where he died (laughs) and show how he lived. Like, he's just out and out. Like, hey, this is what I did. It's pretty impressive. God bless him. impressive. Look, you know what? He began right as a Lost Ark, and he's here now. Like, he can do whatever the fuck he wants. That's the thing about Alfred Molina. Yeah. 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 As uh, Kevin Beagle on Twitter put it, Alfred Molina didn't sign an NDA. He he signed a IDGAF. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which i greatly appreciate yeah i mean so this is confirmation of what we already knew which is that this is definitely a multiverse movie and we're definitely bringing in the other spider-mans and all that business yeah so i'm wondering i'm guessing from what he said that it picks up right where he dies with the the sun he created going into the the ocean there that somehow that opens up a rift in reality that would be my guess. Or there's a rift in reality that somebody else opens and they happen to target him at that exact moment to pull him out of his reality and yep. come into this other reality where there may be, I don't know, building a Sinister Six. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Well, and we'll probably know more about this in the coming weeks. I mean, the thing is that with the previous trailers for the past two Spider-Man movies, when you watch the movies and then watch the trailers again, the whole movie's in the trailer. Like, yeah. you don't necessarily know that up front. They're pretty smart about it. But when you watch the movie and then watch the trailers, you're like, oh, shit, this is everything. This is everything. 
uh, yes. they, maybe they just hold back like the very end. Yeah, you just don't see how it all connects in the trailer, right. which they do very well with that. Yeah. No, the, the trailers work. I mean, like you don't feel like you've been spoiled, but you get a lot of information and you get like a real sense of it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And, and what was that one that you said? Maybe. What's the maybe? I don't know if you saw the Avi Arad. Yeah, it's hard to say what the truth of this is. Um, the Avi Arad stuff is really complicated. I don't think Avi has been involved in these movies for a minute. Yeah, and, and like the the thing where it's like uh, the original plan was that Spider Man would be the one who saves the boat in in Homecoming after Iron Man screws it up, and that's why Iron Man takes the suit back because he's he's angry that he got shown up. It's like none of that works as a story level. That doesn't work at all, right? So I just don't think that's true at all. I, yeah, I, that doesn't I make any so. sense. That and if and if Avi Arad was the one who was like, you can't do it that way. It's got to go the other way. Good on Avi Arad <laughs> like, yeah. to understanding how story structure needs to work. Yeah, yeah. I don't. The thing is that Avi was an exec on the last two movies, and um, exec is like a really honorary title, and it's like a money title. You don't really do a lot historically when you're an exec producer. I mean, some do, but I don't think I don't think he is, and um, I don't think that he's been that heavily involved in a long time. I think that a lot of the creative is outside of his hands. Frankly, I, yeah, yeah. Like I don't know if he was heavily involved in the the Amazing Spider-Man. He movies. was. He was in the Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, I know he was with the Raimi ones. I just didn't know if he, he was, was with the Amazing Spider-Man too. Okay. Um. So I, I mean, I don't have a specific understanding. I was on the set of the first Spider-Man. Nobody ever mentioned Avi Arad one time. Yeah. Um. So uh, the first the first MCU Spider-Man, I should say. Um. Nobody ever mentioned Avi Arad one time. Um. I've met Avi a couple of times. Um. He's a He's a real character. Um, yeah. You gotta, I gotta respect him a little bit because, like, he showed up in America with no money and like built an empire, a toy empire out of it. Um, but he's also a, an asshole, so I don't have to respect him that much. <laughs> Turns out, I have to show him a little bit of respect. Um, he's deaf as a fucking board too. Boy, try having a conversation with that guy. Holy shit, he can't hear anything. Oh yeah. And I think he's one of those guys who's like too proud to uh, put in the uh, hearing aids. Well, maybe he's the reason that in the Spider-Man movies you can hear the dialogue as opposed to most movies where people mumble everything. <laughs> so I would, you know, this is, I mean, it's possible that he's like out finally and he won't have an exact credit on this movie. I don't know. But again, I just don't think he's been that heavily involved or very involved creatively at all yeah. in the last two films. So um, and w- where did this one come from? It starts spreading on Twitter, which is why I really question the the veracity of it. Yeah. Of like, it started as like a, uh, I was DM'd this information. I can't tell you who I got it from and who I am is nobody. It's like, all right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. It's, it's all the same. There are so many rumors out there that maybe they're true, but they're like weird little pieces of things where it's like, I maybe, but you know, who knows? Well, here's one piece of news that we didn't talk about. And that is technically news, and we should, I guess we talk about it now. We also we talk about it in the show is that Julie, Julie Louis Dreyfus is going to be in Black Widow. Oh, is she? I didn't see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, My understanding, go. what I've heard is that the what's funny is that in Black Widow that character shows up, but you don't know who she is until the end. Okay, well, and so well, it wouldn't have been if the movie had come out last year. Do you okay, know what I mean? Like she's yeah, playing yeah. a character and then all of a sudden her true nature is revealed. Yeah. And um, so that would have set up this, but now it's sort of weird. Uh, that's my understanding, but she's, she's in Black Widow. Yeah. That definitely explains my note for later on in this episode where I said, Julia Louise Dreyfus came in from a different show. 
That helps explain that a bit. Well, she definitely came in from a different part of the Marvel Universe, right? I mean, she definitely yeah. fits in with the Iron Man-y, Spider-Man-y, or Guardians of the Galaxy side of things. I guess so. She's got that snotty, funny thing going on those characters have. She does not fit the show that we're watching at all. She definitely sure. is coming in from out of left field. Yeah. Well, speaking of the show that we're watching, you want to talk about it? Uh, do you want to talk about jokes? Oh, gosh, jokes. I always forget about these jokes. For good yeah. reason, I forget about these jokes. I know you do. All right, let's do it. We're at 20 minutes already, so let's let's get these jokes out of the way and get to the show, shall we? Where does Morbius, the living vampire, store his money? In a blood bank. Yep, that is the correct answer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm one for one. Let's go. <laughs> Why is the lizard so good at creeping up on people? Uh, he practices his scales because he's a crept tile. Ooh, that's bad. But yes. however, it's got the lizard in the joke, it's so I'm actually going to give it like an extra point because yeah, that's, that's different two for from, two. Yeah, two actually mentioned the characters. Yeah. What does what kinds of fish don't swim? What kinds of fish don't swim? Dead ones. Wow. Yeah. I. Uh, I mean, that's I don't good. Get that. I mean, that's good. No, they don't swim. Dead fish float. They don't swim. I, no, no. Like, I don't understand how that's a joke. I mean, it's a pretty good joke. I guess. I don't know. Like, if I was in a comedy club and a comedian said that, I'd be like, get off the fucking stage. But that's, I don't know. It's like, what's black, white, and red and spins round and round? Baby in a blender? Or no, a nun in a blender. That's why oh, it's black, white, and red. That's right, yeah. You know, uh, what's the difference between a truckload of ba- bowling balls and a truckload of dead babies? I don't know what's the difference between you the can't thing. unload a truck full of bowling balls with a pitchfork. Okay. So like it's like that. It's like that genre of, of joke. It's not like funny, but it's funny. So I guess. I guess. That's my take. All right. Now are you ready to talk about Falcon Winter Soldier? I am. Let's do it. When Captain America throws his mighty shield, all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield. Falcon and Winter Soldier, Season 1, Episode 5, Truth. And uh, this one picks up right where the last one ended. Well, this one picks up with a 30-minute previously on. <laughs> it does have a pretty big previously <laughs> on. Previously on. To the point where it kept going, I was like, oh, is this the last episode? Because it felt like the kind of thing where like, here's every here's everything. Because like they cut to stuff that's just not important. So it was very weird. It was very weird previously on. Well, it seems like it's giving us like a lot of like, I don't know, it's like giving us a lot of a lot of background. It is long previously on. Um there's there's been a lot that's happened. Um and uh, I think it all comes together in uh, a way that I think works. I think this ends up being the best episode of the season. But before we get ahead of ourselves, um, it is uh, John Walker. He is like running away from having just murdered a guy. And he comes to this warehouse and he's having this moment of the dark night of the soul where he's just like – he knows he fucked up. He is like – um, and thinking about Lamar, like it's going through his head. He is just truly like – tortured and i think this is really important by the way we talked about this last week the difference between john walker being a bad guy and john walker snapping yes and this is the snapping stuff this is he is riddled with guilt he is consumed with this 
with with anguish right now. Um, you know, he knows that he fucked up. Like he knows that yeah. he fucked up. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important because I don't think we're, we're going to definitely John Walker is not done with the MCU when the show is over. It's certain like he's going to definitely be coming back and stuff. And it's vital to create that sense of a character that like he's a fuck up and we don't like him, but we like him. If yeah. that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And Wyatt Russell is so good in this episode. He is great in this episode. This is the hardest episode for him. Yes. Yes. And he knocks it out of the park. I really like he is very impressive in this episode. So he's in the warehouse and he's having his dark night of the soul. And then um, Bucky and Sam show up and they had this whole argument. You know, he's like, he killed Lamar. And they're like, no, he did not. He did not kill Lamar. And he's like, I did what I had to do. And, you know, the whole thing. And uh, he's like, uh, you don't want to do this. And they're like, oh, yeah, we do. And Sam is like, you know, just give me the shield, John. And now John Walker, who's already fucking like flipped out, he snapped. Now he's like, oh, that's what this is all about. You just want the shield. Like, this is not about anything yeah. else. Like, I did what I had to do, and you don't have the guts to do what I have to do. Yeah. And now you're going to try to steal my shield. They, I'm guessing we're going to get into this in the final episode. I hope we get into this in the final episode. But it occurred to me watching this episode, the show continues to treat the shield like the one ring, where everyone talks about it as if that's the power. And hopefully the show will end with them being like, it's not the shield. It's the man who holds it. You know? Well, I think that's been the, the subtext the whole time, right? That's been I think so too, but, but none of the characters have figured that out yet. Right. You know, and that's what I'm hoping that they'll get to. Right. Well, I mean, that's been the, that's why this is my favorite episode is I think this episode's about that in a very big way. And I think it's about that in a really smart way in the way that the shield itself works through the episode. Um, and also what the shield's relationship to the United States of America is, is also a thing yes. that, is, that is finally brought up in this episode. And I think it's very interesting and it all really, I think is building to a thing. Um, yeah. So they have this fight. It's a great fight. It's a really great fight. I mean, like it's, it's a little bit per- perverse to have a big fight scene with the Falcon in a space where the Falcon cannot fly, but yeah. he does use his wings pretty well. Uh, in he uses, the few times that wings, he can. Yeah. He uses his wings very well. Uh, but John Walker tears him off. Yes, and uh, so there's like a lot of back and forth. Like there's like a couple and, of times. There, there's a there's a Superboy Prime moment as well. What's which is where what? Uh, John Walker is beating them up. Yes, and he says, "Why are you making me do this?" Which Superboy Prime says in Infinite Crisis as he rips off the arm of like some sea level Teen Titan. <laughs> and it's one of those moments that in the time when it, when Infinite Crisis came out, everyone's like they're just making him gory for gory's sake, and he's like, "Oh no, this is." The character is that he's he's lost and he's confused and he refuses to take responsibility for right. his actions. So as he's murdering people, he's like, "You're the one making me do this," and it's it's a good moment. It's a good right. little and bit. And in this sequence, he says that but he also says, "I am Captain America" in a way that yes. Captain America would never say it. Um, he says it in the way that Ultimates Captain America would say it. You know, in the yes. Ultimates, which is uh, they introduced. Um, God, is it fifteen years ago already uh, or more? They I think introduced longer than that. It, it's. Is it 20 years it's old? It's 20 years ago because Ultimate Spider-Man started coming out when I moved to L.A. in 2001. Jesus. So yeah. Marvel had decided that there was too much continuity in the Marvel Universe, so they created an all-new universe that was going to have the stories of the classic Marvel characters, but retold from the beginning so you could jump on. And what they did is they tried to update as many of the characters as possible. And they did a t- 
team, the Avengers in that universe is called the Ultimates. And the Captain America in that, um, written by Mark Millar, who does not like superheroes, um, as you could tell by every superhero he's ever written, that he does not like superheroes. <laughs> it's like different than Alan Moore, who like definitely likes superheroes, but also recognizes how they're fucked up. Mark yeah. Millar does not like superheroes, um, is my opinion on that. Um his Captain America is a jingoistic asshole. And at the end of the first story arc, he's being beat up and somebody's like, surrender. And his Captain America says, surrender. This A on my head doesn't stand for France, uh, which is like the biggest douchebag fucking line. And it came like during the middle of like um, uh, the uh, Afghanistan war when we were doing like, you know, freedom fries because yeah. the French didn't want to invade Afghanistan and Iraq. And yeah. Millar's making fun of that stuff, but it was such a fundamental misunderstanding of Captain America as a character. But that is a John Walker thing. That was a thing that John Walker would say. And that's why it's a misunderstanding yes. of Captain America. Yes. And, and it's also a thing that uh, Mark Grenwald and would have John Walker say in, in the comics. In the comics when Mark when John Walker became Captain America. You know, so it fits in. Uh, you know, um, Rob Liefeld got yelled at on Twitter this week um, for saying John Walker rules. Yes. And I think I get where Rob's coming from. I 100% understand where Rob's coming from. He did not phrase it very well. Right. I think in the modern world that we're in, saying it that way makes it sound like you're supporting John Walker. But I think yes. Rob says this is an incredible version of John yeah. Walker. I, I mean, when I say he didn't phrase it well, what I mean to say, what I mean is in the world of Twitter – where if you say I like bananas, somebody will be like, "Oh, so you don't like apples?" Right, exactly. He did not phrase like it, it, in reality. If you took a second to not be like, "I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna show him," you'd be like, "Oh, he's saying he likes how the character is being portrayed." Like, yeah, this is that he's like, like I like this guy who goes around murdering people. <laughs> no, I've read a lot of John Walker comics over the years, and this is one of the better the portrayals of John Walker because it's so dimensional and so nuanced. This is a guy that yeah. is not a hero for sure. He's a yeah. fucked up dude, but wow, like what a complex and interesting character they've managed to create in this in this show. I think it's really terrific, and I totally get where Rob is coming from. Yeah, and I agree with him. This and, version and of John Walker is rules. for all the the you know, gruff that, that Rob gets. Rob knows his comics. Oh, yeah. He knows this shit inside and, and out. He knows the shit inside and out. And he's looking at it from the point of view of who was John Walker when he was introduced and what is the path of, that this character takes. And he's like, they're doing such a good job with it. And they are. So so the fight's, the fight's killer. It's a really good fight. It's really brutal. Yes. There's a couple of times where you think that, you know, like one side is one or whatever. And finally, it comes down to a tug of war over the shield between Bucky and John Walker. And then Falcon gets in and uses his thruster, his back thruster, to pull the shield, and he fucking snaps John Walker's arm. Yes. That's pretty sweet. It is so which, which makes it the second disabled arm in this fight because Bucky's arm gets electrocuted, his metal arm gets electrocuted, and he can't use it anymore. That's right. At one point, he can't use it. Which I liked. Yeah, it was a good, yeah, that was a good little bit. Um, yeah, I thought it was just a great fight scene, though. Like, it was just a great fight scene. I thought it was really, really good. It had everything I want in a fight scene, which is that it had character and it had story beats to it. You know what I mean? And yeah. within the fight itself, there was a narrative. So I thought it was just absolutely terrific. Yeah. Um, I was, you know, once again, the show's another scene set in a giant empty space. Um, but what are you, you going to do? I'm pretty sure it's the same warehouse from the first episode. Where they found the vi- the Flag Smasher stealing the uh, vaccine. The yeah. vaccines, yeah. Pretty, I'm, pretty I'm pretty sure. sure. The, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the exact same fucking place. Yeah. So uh, John Walker, um, 
he's in trouble. At the beginning of the fight, Sam had said, listen, if you, you know, you have a good service record, if you explain this to them, I'm sure they'll work with you. But it turns out they do not want to work with him. And uh, he is, uh, he is, gets a less than honorable discharge from the army. He is stripped of the title of Captain America. Um, he is lectured at by this senator uh, and this committee. Am I skipping? What, what, what am I skipping? Well, after that, we, after the fight where they knock out John, we hang out with, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier for a bit, and Torres comes in. Oh, that's 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 okay. I thought I thought that was after this. I'm pretty sure it's before. According to my notes, it's before. Okay, that's fine. Um, you're probably right. Yes. Well, they are they are doing like their goodbyes. Um, and yeah. uh, and, and Torres shows up. Line of the episode, which is what? Hey, you got your sleeve back. Which made me laugh really hard. I was like, how many of those jackets does Bucky have? I hadn't even thought about that. That's so funny. Yeah, that's really, really yeah. funny. It's a good bit. It's a really good bit. So, you know, um, this is like the end of the road, like the um, the government stepping in and taking over and these guys, because the Sokovia Accords, the government says, sit it out, you're sitting it out. That's the end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so they're saying goodbye and Bucky's like, listen, you get a lead, let me know. Um, and then uh, Torres- And, and Bucky's going to go look for- uh, uh, Zemo. Baron Zemo. Right. Yeah. He's going to go find Zemo. This is like the end of the movie scene. Yes. There's two end of the movie scenes in this episode. Yeah. Or this, three, actually. Yeah. This is the end of the movie scene where it's like, all right, well, yeah. we did this entire adventure. And now I'm going to go off and do the thing that I'm going to do in between the, this movie and the sequel. Yeah. And we'll talk about it. Like in the movies, though, they'll never, they never actually show it. Like in the Marvel movies, it always has the character going like, I'm going to go search for this. And we pick them up in the sequel and they go, I never bothered searching for that. It's the Thor yeah, thing that you hate so much. It's the opening of Thor. Yeah. But yeah. it's also the thing in, um, in Civil War, like they open up and they're not even talking about looking for Bucky anymore. No. Like they end the last movie, like we're going to go searching for Bucky. And then they open up Civil War and it's like, well, I guess we didn't find him. <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, Torres um, is looking at the Falcon shit and is like, well, you wrecked this shit pretty good. And they have a nice conversation, um, Torres and Sam. They, they they have a really good chemistry, those two. Yes. Yes, they do. And as Sam leaves, Torres is like, hey, you forgot your wings. And Sam says, keep them. Actually, what Sam says is, you're the Falcon now, dog. <laughs> That's 100% what that scene is. That was like the, you know what that scene was? That scene was the scene in the first Iron Man when Rhodey looks at the armor and goes, oh, next time. Yep. That's yep. exactly what that scene was because because Joaquin Torres becomes the second Falcon uh, in yep. the comics. So we're assuming he'll do, this actor is terrific. I think he's great. He does great work. Yeah, he's fantastic. And he's different enough from Sam that if you put him in the in the wings, it wouldn't just feel like, Sam you know, 2.0 Sam 2 or yeah. .0, whatever. The only problem I have is that I don't know that you can have a flying Captain America and a Falcon as a team. It seems weird. I, it's, Captain America is sidekick and they both fly around. I, think I that guess works. so. It just seems weird. I don't know why it seems weird to me. Um, anyway, now can I, is this now the, yes. Okay. So he's, dis- he's less than honorably discharged. It's in a spare room, by the way. It's a weird room. It's another weird – it's quite clearly some room in Prague. It's like such a – again, I hate to harp on the the sets on this show. This has become the running thing. I thought WandaVision's – because they were all on stages. looked terrific. Um, yeah. I don't know why you kids couldn't build a fucking hearing room. Well, it's weird because it feels like – I couldn't tell, like, is this a Senate hearing or is this just a military hearing? It's a hearing? committee hearing. It's a committee hearing. So it's technically probably a committee room. 
Um, but it looks like a room in a palace. But, it's but, like a but, in a fucking palace. It, it, it looked to me like a courtroom, like a, like a small, like, like if this is the courtroom that they would use in like quantum leap when it's 1954 or ni- like 1958. And he's got to defend a black woman who's accused of murdering someone, you know, and it's like, it's the deep South and, you know, cause it's small and it feels like it'd be real hot in there. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if this was just a military committee or if it was a Senate committee. Because there's no cameras, there's no reporters. There's a senator. The looks of it. There's a senator. It's a it's it's a it's a committee. So I'm assuming it's a Senate committee. It's probably um, a defense committee. Um, so that's my assumption is what's happening here. Um, but it it's, plays real weird because there's no usually a committee. John Walker wouldn't be standing at like a, a podium. He would have a table and be sitting there. No, I know. This is because they have the right? wrong kind of room. They don't have a Senate committee room. They're they're in a palace in Prague. That's why. But surely they could get a table and just sit him at the table. I like, think it would I think it would look too weird. I think they wanted to have him at a podium. I think that having him at a podium works for the dr- the drama of it because he is on edge. So having him standing up and like being very tense and then slamming his hand works yeah. better when he's standing, I think. Um so I and also him storming out. It I think it would feel weirder if he had to jump out of a chair and storm out. Like I think him storming yeah. out like from a standing position works better. I mean again, I have, you know, all I've done on this whole fucking podcast is complain about the sets on the show. So well, I've got a few more set complaints coming. Well, well so there's a lot of them. There's not every set every set on the show except for Sokovia is bad, I think. Oh yeah. no, Louisiana is good too. Yes. Sokovia and Louisiana, when they're outside, it's fine. Like when they're outdoors, outdoors, not like in a courtyard, when they're outdoors, outdoors, it's fine. Like yeah. they just keep shooting in, I, mean, I wonder if they keep shooting in courtyards and weird empty rooms because they have to keep everything secret. They can't have paparazzi taking pictures. Maybe I don't I don't know. Um Anyway, he has a real bad reaction. It's probably not a great way of um, responding in this moment. And he yes. storms out, and they're like, you'll spend your whole life in the uh, disciplinary barracks. And he's been humiliated. We see people booing him outside. Everybody fucking hates him. Um, he is really fucked up. And so he's sitting in the hallway with his wife, and then all of a sudden, who should show up? But the cameo that we were promised in this episode is Julia Louise-Dreyfus as uh, Countess, uh, Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. With the worst line of the episode. Which one is that? These boots are not, These made, boots for were not made for walking. Yeah. Like, oh, Jesus. Like, come on. Uh, like, so, do you know this character? Yes, Lady Hydra, isn't it? She's Madame Hydra at one point. Madame Hydra, yeah. Um, she wasn't introduced as Madame Hydra. She became Madame Hydra. She was introduced as a character in the old Jim Steranko Nick Fury comics, and he they yeah. they they had a relationship. They boned down. They boned down so hard in the comics, and then that the nineteen sixties comics code authority made them change panels. Yes, go yeah. back and change the art on panels. And they're not even yeah. anything crazy. Like when you find out, like in one of the panels, they had the phone off the hook so that they could have privacy. Yep. And the comics code authority made them put the phone back on the hook. <laughs> yeah, truly yeah. fucking mad. But she eventually um, is revealed, like over time, because you know how it works in comics, like. People yeah. retcon and add on to characters. She's revealed eventually as Madame Hydra. She's revealed eventually as part of Leviathan, which is a Russian group who showed up in um, Agent Carter season one. Oh, did they? Yeah, they showed up in Agent Carter season one. Agent Carter is MCU. It is it is canonical. Okay. So Leviathan exists in the MCU, so it's very plausible that she is part of Leviathan. And she eventually also turns to be a scroll. There you go. So we know we have Secret Invasion coming, so I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if that's what we're building towards. Um, and, and if she's showing up in Black Widow, it's probably Leviathan, right? Probably Leviathan. Yeah. It makes sense, right? Yeah. 
Leviathan is a group that was founded after World War One, um, which is sort of the same thing from the new Kingsman movie that never came out. Um, but uh, it's this like secret Russian organization that's been running for forever. Um, but because I, what I kind of hope is that in Secret Invasion, I hope that it's revealed that Julie Louise Dreyfus had sex with Samuel L. Jackson. That'd be fun. I would like that very much, and I would like to have like scenes of like her like hitting on him. I would really yep. enjoy that tremendously. A, a shot of a phone off the hook. <laughs> they gave her a streak of blue in her hair. In the comic, she had a streak of silver. Um, I don't know why they went with the blue. But whatever. Easier it's, to wash out? I, don't know. Uh, I think if they put a streak of silver in her hair, it would make her look like she was older. I think yeah. that she had a streak of silver in her hair and she was like in her 20s or 30s in the comic. And I think it was like yeah. cool. It's fine. Yeah. But like once you hit a certain age, it just becomes like I'm older as opposed yeah. to like this is my cool silver streak. You know, yeah. not like at my age, silver is not cool anymore. It's just I'm fucking old. So. Yeah. Um, so she says to him, listen, you had to kill that guy. I would have killed that guy. All those guys in that room would have killed that guy. The problem is that they got to like make it look good, right? That's like the whole fucking problem. Um, but a lot of people, you know, and we also know you've taken the super soldier serum and you've made yourself very, very valuable to uh, certain people. And she says, the second best decision you're going to make in your whole life is picking up the phone when I call. Um, well, no, she said the second best decision in your life was taking the serum. The first yeah, best first decision in your life is uh, tied with marrying, marrying this, this firecracker over yeah. here yeah. is picking up the phone when I call. And they're like, who yeah. are you? And she hands the wife a business card and it's black on one side and blank white on the other. Yep. And then that's it. That's her whole bit. Yep. Oh, and she also says that the, the U.S. government doesn't own the shield, which does not make any sense whatsoever. Of course it makes sense. Why would it not no, make sense? Because the shield was made by Howard Stark mm-hmm. under contract for the U.S. government for Captain America, who was a military figure. I don't think that's actually how it worked. That's how. That's that what's going the, on in the First Avenger. That is, first of all, I don't think he's under contract. He's definitely under contract. He's, he's under making contract. weapons. He's making weapons for the U.S. military. Yeah, I understand that, but I don't think he signed a contract that whatever I make belongs to the U.S. military. First of all, second of all, the shield he already had laying around. He was working on it separately. They picked it up. It was no, not. It's, it was not made for Captain America. It was. They were working on. He, he. He. Captain America liked the shield because he had the other shield. He had the other shield, and then when they go in there, he's like, "Hey, I've got a couple different shields for you to try out." Right, but they, he's just working on his own time. He. I don't think he's he, uh, only if he's told, in a military base in that scene. Yeah, I don't think that's the. I think. I think that this is the correct interpretation. I think that I also. Know. I think that that like. Um, the way that it worked in 1942 was not that there was a fucking IP contract. That there is no contract. That's why it's a legal gray area. There's no contract. They just I, Howard Stark I, showed I, up and was like, "I, I want to help the government." I don't think Oppenheimer could be like, uh, "Give me back the atom bomb." You know, like I think that's no, that's ours. That's the that's the U.S. government's. We we have that. That's our thing. You made it for us. That's a different thing, though. I don't think Howard Stark was working was working for the U.S. government. He sure seems to be. I think he's working with the U.S. government. I think that you're misunderstanding. Oppenheimer was getting a paycheck from the government, was all this other shit. Howard Stark is like, hey, I'm a super genius rich guy, and I believe in what they were doing overseas. How can I help? It's comic book logic, but it's the logic. It's, it's as if Elon Musk was like, hey, I'm making SpaceX rockets. Do you want to use some? I see. I think it's the same as how like the U.S. government was like, hey, Ford, you're going to be making us some tanks. Here's some money. Go make us tanks. And Ford, at the end of the war, can't be like, give us our tanks back. You're like, no, they're our tanks. We paid for them. That's but the U.S. Works. government didn't tell him to make a shield. That's the thing. I he didn't get a did. word from above saying, make, make a shield. He was like, he's fucking around making things. 
I don't, again, I think that the IP law of 1942, and there's no contract that he signed that says all IP I create while working for you. This isn't like that. This isn't like McDonald's. This is that episode of The Wire. They're like, this is the first episode of The Wire where they chicken talk about nuggets? chicken nuggets. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like chicken nuggets. It isn't like the guy who makes chicken nuggets just gets fucked. I think it's like as if the guy that makes chicken nuggets like takes chicken nuggets home with him because he's not I, operating under an IP contract. Well, I, I don't know if a military weapon counts as an, as an IP. Is an intellectual property. Well, is it any kind of property contract? He's not working on right. any kind of property contract. I don't think that. I don't think that unless unless he got an order, and I don't think Howard Stark's taking orders by the way either, as the way it's portrayed in Captain America: The First Avenger, because um, Howard Stark's like, "Hey, I'm going to go off and go get uh, you know uh, quiche or whatever, souffle or whatever it was." Um, he's just going to go fuck off and get food. I mean, like he's not taking orders. He's just there helping out. It's comic book stuff again, but it's he's just helping out. Like none of this stuff belongs to the military. It's just his shit. I don't know. I, I, for to me, because he's making the shield for Captain America, because they've come to the conclusion Captain America's going to be on the sh- on the field of battle, because he's already gone off and helped the POWs. So he's making it, and he's making it at a military base. It feels to me like he's making it under the orders of the U.S. government, being like, "Hey, we need say, a shield for him than the fake one that we gave him to play around with." Well, the de- he definitely isn't because we de- doesn't there's there's no people in charge telling anybody what to do in that whole movie, more or less, except for Tommy Lee Jones, um, yeah. and he's not doing anything in that scene. But also, I'm going to say that I you feel like you got a little bit of bootlicker in you these days because you're like um, comic book writers should not get paid for these characters, and also Howard Stark should not own the shield. You're always right, in charge off, management. You're always going for management for, in these first situations. Off, I didn't say comic book writers shouldn't be paid for the characters. I said that I think there's a, <laughs> that Brew Baker saying I created Bucky is a weird thing because he, he didn't say he didn't create Bucky. He created Winter Soldier. Yeah, but the Winter Soldier is an evolution of Bucky. He's derivative so, of Bucky, but he's not. He is not. It's not the same thing. He's I don't think he's deri- derivative doesn't count because it's the same character with the same name. And he he retconned the past of the character, but that that's like that'd be like Frank Miller being like, "I created Batman because I did Year One." Like, no, you didn't create Batman. You just gave him a different origin. <laughs> like, like that's all there is there. You just played with his origin a bit. I'm just saying that you're, you're very interested in management. I think that we should always be uh, supporting the creator and the ability of the creator to own the rights of whatever they create, even if it's a derivative work. Uh, like any superhero guy coming in and working on a comic that's existed for 30 years, those are derivative works. But I think they should still get the rights to it. That's my take. That's all. I'm just I'm 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 in tr- I'm for the worker, and that worker in this case includes Howard Stark. Too bad Howard Stark is a billionaire. So you're for the billionaire class. Good job. You're for Elon Musk. I mean, <laughs> well, way to go. Hoisted by my own petard. <laughs> um, so uh, there's a lot of a lot of speculation on the internet, man. That um, that uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine is putting together Thunderbolts. Yeah, it makes sense. Does make sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, because spoilers, I thought that this was going to be like how John Walker gets his new shield, but it is nope. not. He makes it himself. No. So, I mean, yes. like, um, that's the thing. Like, I thought for sure that was going to be like it, like who's going to bankroll John Walker. Oh, it's going to be this person. But no, in yeah. fact, it seems like she wants something else. And I guess we're going to have to see what happens in Black Widow if she creates a relationship with the new Black Widow. Yeah. Also, I'm Black Widow. How far back does Black Widow take place? Civil War, right after Civil War. Right after Civil War, okay. So right. at this point, like it's like five years ago or six years ago. It's further than that because we have five years where everybody blinked out. Oh, you mean from now or from this movie and the show? I mean, 
from the show. This show takes place in probably 2023. Okay, so quite a long time after Civil War. Um, but she might have been blanked out too. Oh, no, no. I, I'm just saying, I, I'm just trying to place where, like, would she be in, you know, 10 years ago, be like, I'm going to put together the Thunderbolts, or is this a new deal? You know. Oh, you know, it's, um, I mean, look, Civil War is five years ago from today, right? So the 2016, that movie came out. Um, so it's sometime after Civil War. It's between, it's between Civil War and Infinity War is when Black Widow takes place. Um, yeah. So it's five years from today. And um, from her in 2023, it's seven years. Yeah. So maybe eight at this point. So it's hard. And one, if she blinked out, it's hard to say that she just maybe picked it back up where she left off. Or two, if it's a long-term project, I don't know. I guess I mean, maybe, it's not even, maybe it's not even Thunderbolts. Maybe we're totally fucking wrong. Maybe it's the Defenders. That'd be so fucking amazing if they did their own the Defenders. And not only is it not any of the characters from the comics, but it's also not the characters from the Netflix shows. It's fucking incredible. It'd be fucking incredible. Although, you know, like fucking the Thunderbolts man that has Zemo, uh, Florence Pugh is Black Widow. And I'm so excited to see Florence Pugh. I love her. And I'm so excited for that. And it has John Walker and it has Bucky. What a fucking team. That's just those four characters. Like who, who else can come in? I don't know. But like, that's a fucking great team, frankly. Yeah. Abomination, I mean, maybe. Abomination. I mean, that's a fucking cool team. I'm, I'm, I'm on board for that. Anyway, we're, yeah. this is a long episode, man. We're fucking up. Um. Anyway, so she uh, takes off, and then we meet Carly and the Flag Smashers, and they're back in that courtyard again. And um, Carly this time decides that it is. Well, um, again, you're missing something. What did I miss now? We cut to Sharon Carter, who's on the phone. Saying, right. I got something for you to do. She's talking to, out of that. to Batrock quite clearly because yes. we hear a Pepe Le Pew on the other side of that phone. Yes. And, like, oh, and she oh, also oh. says, I got you out of that Algerian prison. Right. So and she sends Batrock to go talk to Carly. So now this is, I guess, evidence that she's power broker. I guess. Yeah. I guess it doesn't really make any sense to me, frankly. No. Nothing that nothing that Sharon has done. If she, the thing is that we don't meet Power Broker in this episode, right? So that means either we no. meet Power Broker in the next episode, and there's two, or we never meet Power Broker at all, right? But if we meet yeah. Power Broker in the next episode, there's two options: it's either Sharon or nobody that we know yet, or Valentina, right? Could be, could be actually. That's interesting. That could be, I guess, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, she could be. She could be power broker. Um, I mean, she'd be interested in somebody walking around with a super soldier serum in them because power broker is looking for it. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, she she could be that. That actually, I do think about that. Which is also odd that everybody knows he has the super soldier serum, and the U.S. government's like, "You're fired. See you later." She like, doesn't they, know. They, they don't know. Only I only, thought they did know. No. So Bucky and Bucky didn't tell the U.S. government. Like, Why by the way, Bucky this tell the U.S. government? What does he have? Because he works for them. No, he doesn't. Yes, he does. He's under contract for them. Bucky? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, not Bucky. Uh, Sam. 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 I don't think Sam would tell him shit. I think he would. I don't think Sam would tell him shit. Also, Sam, I don't think we ever. I mean, I don't think. I mean, maybe he would tell. I think Sam him. definitely would have been called into that committee. He was standing right there as Captain America murdered a man. Who needs a witness? It's on fucking video. Everybody saw it. <laughs> but but nobody saw what happened beforehand. What led up to this moment? It doesn't make a difference because those. I mean, he might have already debriefed because they say to John Walker, "We don't. We already know what happened. Like we don't need to yeah. fucking talk. You don't need to hear your side of the story." Yeah. Um, I guess I think Sam is a, a, 
mercenary. He's black. He's a, he's a contract contractor. I don't think that he's like yeah. reporting to them. I don't think he's like has to anyway. Maybe they know. She definitely knows. And we're supposed to know that that's wild. When she says that to him, we're supposed to know that's wild. Like, oh, wow, she knows. Um, so I don't think that the only the senator knows is, is the implication we're supposed to have, I think. Um, but I don't think it makes sense for Sharon to be the power broker at all. And I know that this scene is supposed to make us think that she is setting up Sam to get killed. Yeah. But I think that she's sending in Batrock to um, fight Carly. I, yeah, I I don't I don't know if she's sending Batrock to fight Carly or if she's sending Batrock to screw things up. Yes, or that right. Batrock consistently screws things up. But also, I don't. It just it feels weird. And, to and, me. It, and it connects back to uh, Winter Soldier. The first right. time we meet Batrock, he he did not realize it, but he was hired by Shield to go do this so that right. they had a reason to go to that ship. Right. So she's kind of setting up the same idea, maybe. And this this show is nothing but echoes of Captain America movies. There's a million echoes of Captain America movies in this yes. in this show yeah. again and again and again. Um, so yeah, that makes sense. It makes more sense to me that she's still working as a undercover American or you know good guy spy anyway, not American, but good yeah. guy spy. Then that she'd be the power broker. I just yeah. don't understand anything that she's done if she's the power broker, frankly. Like, no, she knows where Carly is a number of times. All that she's doing is sending fucking threatening text messages. It's what- <laughs> well, well, one of the fun things is how they're like, nobody knows where she is. There's an app where she's telling people where to meet her. So there's the first clue of where to find her. Um, so Carly decides that um, she's had enough. Then that uh, the GRC has raided this camp and she's like, this is where we're, we're done. This is no longer how many times we have to die to prove we deserve to live and yada, yada, yada. So we're going to, we're going to finish this once and for all. And yeah. um, we know that she's gone bad because she takes the kid's toy and drops it on the floor. Yes. I also like that, that she names people who have died and it's the three characters that we've met. And then she goes, and so many others I can't even think about. They all happen off screen. <laughs> Perhaps it'll be a tie-in comic book. Yeah. Um, so Bucky finds Zemo at the Sokovian Memorial. And I don't know if Zemo just spends all day there, like all the time, or if he just happened, Bucky happened to track him there, but it's a good dramatic spot for them to meet. Yes. Um, and um, Zemo decides that he wants to uh, try to like manipulate Bucky one last time because he yep. knows he's fucked. Like he has like deep, like I'm fucked eyes right here. And he's like, Hey, Carly's been radicalized beyond salvation. You know what you need to do? You need me to help. And Bucky is like, nah, we're done with this. I'm going to handle Carly my own way. And then he pulls a gun on Zemo and Zemo is like ready to get shot in the head. So, yeah, Zemo believes this is the end. He believes it's the end, which is great yeah. because Zemo is like the mind fuck guy. And for Bucky to mind fuck him, I think is the very good it's twist. Great. It's a, it, it works well, you know? Yeah. And also, it's really wild though. Watching this, I was very tense. I didn't think they were going to kill Zemo, but like, I like Bucky, and I don't want Bucky just shooting guys in the face anymore. <laughs> but I felt like he might do it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and so that was great, and that's like a great character beat that he's not going to just fucking put a bullet in his head. What he is going to do is he's going to hand him over to the Dora Milaje, um, yes. who come out from two feet behind um, Zemo, and uh, they arrest him. And this is my big problem with the episode. Is this is my we're gonna take him to the raft. Yeah, it's my big nitpick. I don't understand why they would do that. It doesn't make any sense. That doesn't to me. make any sense at all. I mean, they would take him to Wakanda um, to face Wakanda injustice for killing T'Chaka. I yes. don't know why they had to take him to the raft, and it's because they're going to want to break him out of the raft or have him join the Thunderbolts in a future yes, movie that, or TV yeah, show. That's, that's why. why. That's why he's going to the raft. Because it's, it's too hard to figure out how to get him out of Wakanda. 
Yeah. Like if they had him in Wakanda, they had to figure out how to get him out and it's just too much. And you, un- yeah. you undermine Wakanda too much and they don't want to undermine Wakanda. No. So they end up with their hands tied so he has to go to the raft, which makes no, just makes no sense. Like it just makes literally no sense why the Wakandans would take him to the raft. Well, it, it's doubly weird because in the last episode they said he must face Wakandan justice. Which makes perfect sense. Which makes 100% perfect sense. But if Wakandan justice is, we're just going to take him to the raft. It's like... <laughs> So he just needs to face justice, is what you're saying. Like, like, you know, it's a Wakandan holiday, so he can't face justice this weekend. So we're just going to take him to the raft. The courts are the courts are closed. The courts are closed. It's a three day weekend, yeah. guys. I don't have to tell you. He just got to go to the raft. Uh, so, uh, so they uh, Io tells Bucky, like, "You fucked up, son. Like, just do not come back to Wakanda anytime soon." He's like, "Yeah, I get it. I get it." And then as she's leaving um, to their to their ship, which is directly in front of where Zemo was looking, which is pretty crazy, like directly in his line of sight, there's a Wakandan airship laying sitting there. Maybe- I don't mind that. Don't forget that in Black Black Panther, we see that those ships are super silent and invisible. Okay, that's a good point. So. Um, I think that's fine. So Bucky's like, okay, I understand. I'm not going to show up Wakanda again. I'm, I'm out of the hood. But can you do one last favor for me? And then uh, we cut to Baltimore, and Sam is uh, meeting up with Isaiah Bradley again. He has the shield with him, and yes. he wants the answer. And uh, the answer, like, why why Isaiah is so upset and what happened to him. And um, Isaiah tells him. Isaiah is really angry and bitter. He's an angry, bitter old man, and with tremendously good reason. Because not yes. only has he been mistreated, but he talks about the history of black soldiers being mistreated in general. Well, yeah, he talks about the the uh, red tails. The red tails. It's his favorite is, George Lucas movie, believe it or not. His favorite George Lucas movie. The red nobody, tail. nobody else's favorite George Lucas movie, but it's his favorite George no, Lucas movie. No, it's his. Uh, and then he talks about what I really liked is he talks about how the other members of his crew uh, of the super soldier crew were captured. And the plan was just to basically carpet bomb the POW camp. They were being held in because they didn't want anyone to know about the super soldiers. And he left the base and went and saved them himself, which is the same thing that Steve Rogers does when Bucky and and the crew get kept. And that makes Steve Rogers a hero, but it makes Isaiah Bradley a criminal. It makes Isaiah Bradley spend 30 years in prison. You know, what's funny is that that's the story in truth in the comics. Is it? It's the story. It's the same story. Um, And I actually wonder, like, it's wild um, that the story of truth lines up with the story of First Avenger. And I can't, I don't think that they did that to homage truth when they shot First Avenger. I'm trying to remember if in, I don't know how well you remember uh, the adventures of Captain America, Sentinel of Liberty, the miniseries they did many, many years ago. It was Fabian Nicienza and yeah, I think the same Kevin thing happened. In that because he, I think he it goes, in that too. yeah, I think that's what they were really riffing on in the first Avenger because he does go and he goes infiltrate some Nazi base. He's not supposed to infiltrate, um, yeah, because I think Bucky's captured or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, which I, guess, I wish they had done more than in the movie because they had all the cool different characters in there yeah um so i guess you know i mean they're all riffing on sort of the same stuff truth is yeah truth is probably riffing on sentinel of liberty in some ways um yeah but i'm not positive that happens in sentinel i feel like it does I'm but pretty I, I haven't read it in so long I'm, i can't say for sure i'm pretty certain that happens in sentinel, sentinel it's great, of liberty. It's i great. remember it being a fantastic four it comes part. in this nice prestige format too the original yes. comics yeah. when they were making the, like the, fancy comics yeah and the first three issues are drawn by kevin mcguire who's one of the best and one of the few Marvel works he's done. And, uh, and I forgot who draws the fifth issue, but the, or the fourth issue, but the fourth issue is also beautifully done. There, there's a great, it's a great miniseries. It's, it's sort of a Captain America year one is what it is. Yeah. Cause this is the time when everybody's doing year one stories. Yes. So, um, Isaiah gives in the whole story and I, you know, I'm a little bit, 
I really wanted to see a flashback. I wanted to see it happen. But I also think that the nature of this show, they wouldn't have had the budget to do it justice. <laughs> it just would have been in the same courtyard from every episode. It would have been in these empty warehouses and palaces. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. the exact same ballroom where they had the big fight last episode. Yeah, um, yeah that probably would have been the case. So I'm a, I guess it's better they didn't. And the thing is that Carl Lumley can fucking sell the speech, though. Oh, sells the hell out of it. He's um, great. He you know, is great. And it's a really great speech. And I imagine this is the kind of speech that pisses off a certain amount of people on Twitter or Reddit or whatever. And good, good. I'm glad they're pissed off because uh, Isaiah is speaking some truth here. He's speaking some truth about the idea of the ingrained racial injustice, the idea that Steve Rogers is a blonde, blue-eyed guy, and yeah. he's the great white hope, and that's all that anybody wants. And they don't want to make a black Captain America. And yep. not only that, but like the fact that he was successful and he was a super soldier and he was heroic, they didn't just put him in prison, maybe even worse than that, maybe not worse, but as bad as that, they erased him. They they erased him. They told his wife he was dead. Told his wife he was dead. They did not give him the letters from his wife. They experimented on him. Yeah. I mean, they it's terrifying. It's a terrifying thing. They, it's absolutely horrible. And I mean, yeah. as he says, they erased my history, but they've been doing that for 500 years. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, he says to Sam, listen, they never let a black man be Captain America. And if they did, no self-respecting black man would ever want to be. Yes. And I Which goes completely against what we had said maybe two or three episodes ago. We're like, obviously, Isaiah is going to be the one who tells Sam, you have to be Captain America. We were wrong. We were not. Yep. You know, this is why you get a, a Malcolm Spellman, a black yep. man to, to run a show like this. He brings a different perspective. And I think this is really great because the the Sam's conflict until now with Captain America has been I'm no Steve. Yes. I knew Steve, you know, and I'm not Steve. And Steve is well, nobody else is Steve. And this now creates a new conflict, which is that is is taking on this identity potentially betrayal of who I am and who my people are. Yes. And and, and there's a great moment in Isaiah's speech when he's talking about Captain America, blonde hair, blue eyed, and what they did to him. And uh, uh, Sam gets defensive and he's like, Steve didn't know about any of this. Yeah, Steve didn't put you, but well, he couldn't have because Steve was an ice when this happened. This happened during yeah. Korea. Yeah. But but it, it's an interesting bit where he still has this need to protect Steve's legacy. And that is still on his mind. Well, the thing is that he knows Steve. Yes. That's the thing at the end of the day. He knows Steve, right? So like it's different for him. It's 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 more abstract for Isaiah, the Captain America of it all, because he yes. didn't know Steve Rogers, but Sam did know Steve Rogers. Do you know what's really funny? All of this really works because Marvel let Steve Rogers have a 10-year story arc. Yes. And this is why none of the Superman stuff in the DCEU works. Yes. Because even though we know Superman, whatever, it's not the same. We don't get enough. He's dead in his second appearance. And it's not enough yeah. time for that to become a thing where the entire world is going to have like this, like, but like 10 solid years of Captain America plus his war expo- exploits. That's enough. Like that feels right. We got and, to know that and, character. And they play Captain America as a good, honest person. Right. He's not snarky. He's not jerky to anybody. He is a guy where like, you understand why everyone is so defensive about him. Right. Because Steve Rogers was just a good man. Right. You know, and you're like, yeah, he would stand up for anybody, you know, and that's who he was. And so it makes sense that that what Isaiah is saying is 100% true. What he went through is 100% in this universe, true and real. Fuck, it's but true and real in this universe. It's true and real in this universe. But I'm saying, like, being a super soldier and then being, like, right. that's obviously not true in this universe. But, like, for Sam, Captain America is his friend. Right. 
The thing know, is that for Isaiah, Captain America is a concept. For Sam, Captain America is a man. So Isaiah is like salute the salute that thing, and it points to the shield. But that shield means something very different to Sam. Yes, than it does which, to which again connects to my thing of they play the shield as the one ring throughout the, throughout this whole series. They've been playing it as the one ring. Where even like right. like here, he's like, don't take it out of its case. You know, don't tempt me with it. Like right. don't. You know, don't do that because Sam seems to be there to give him the. Sh- he says he's going to give him the shield. He's going to give him the shield because he thinks he's he's yeah. the he's the real Captain America. Since he's the next yeah. super soldier, he's the real Captain America. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, but I think what it is is that it becomes this symbol that has so many layers to it because it's a symbol not just of Steve Rogers and his career, but it's a symbol of America. That's why I think it was really important, even though you disagree, that the shield itself, its relation to the U.S. military and the U.S. government, becomes less specific because we need to detach the shield from the government that needs to no, happen. I, I understand story-wise why you'd want that. I just don't think it fits with what they've done in the past. Um, but I, I, I think it's a bit of a retcon. So I, I, you know, I just, I think that um, this scene is just so powerful. It's so good. And again, it gives Sam a new layer and a new dimension to his conflict. Um, yeah. Although the solution to this conflict happens that only Bucky sees it. So I don't really, it's kind of fascinating. Um, but I guess we'll talk about that later. So Sam goes home to Louisiana and he is with, working with his nephews. They're uh, working on the family fishing boat. And, yeah, um, well, Sam starts a, a mid-budget spiritual movie from, <laughs> from the early 2000s. And uh, they, they probably, if it was made in like 2004, would have starred, uh, uh, I suddenly blanked on the actor's name. Sam, it would have started uh, Anthony Mackie. Uh, Anthony Mackie, because he would have been coming off of Eight Mile, and it would have been like Anthony Mackie and like I don't know uh, Channing Tatum as two guys coming home from Iraq, and Anthony Mackie learns that his his, his father has passed away and they're going to lose the business, and so he calls in all the favors, <laughs> and he had problems with his father, and that's why he joined the army, but now he learns that his father really kept the whole community together, and now the yes. community's there for his dad. So know, the, Sarah's not going to sell the boat because they, the boat's in such bad shape, it would cost more to fix it. It's not worth it. So Sam's like, okay, we're going to fix up the boat so we can sell it. And they don't have any money, so he calls in, as you said, favors from all the locals who owed their parents something. And it yeah. turns out the community is really ready to rally around these people and you know sam's like you know you feed all the kids in this neighborhood like you know this they, they've done is, a good job setting up yeah. throughout throughout the the series yeah and so everybody shows up it's this really wonderful scene of all these like um background actors milling around um it looks like it looks like a yard sale but i don't think that's what it's supposed to be but it looks kind of like a yard sale um and they he's getting a motor um from some dudes but they can't get it off the truck and then suddenly the motor is lifted off the truck and there is bucky barnes showing up to help out Yep. And uh, he has there to actually hand Sam a case. He's got a big briefcase. Yes. Um, and uh, Sam's like, okay, you know, come hang out with us. And uh, Bucky immediately begins flirting with Sarah. They yes. have an immediate connection, which I found very delightful. Uh, and I found Sam's response very delightful. Uh, I found it all very basic. Oh, I loved it, though. Like, it is it's basic. Just, but I did- Again, it's the same mid-budget movie from the early 2000s oh, don't don't go hitting on my sister now i know but it's two scenes of it and i think that um frankly this is this is what i want in a marvel thing this this is what i wanted the whole show to be the whole, yeah, series. Well, the whole series should have been the two of them running a fishing business frankly i mean that really should have been the whole show or, or just the two of them because one thing that that it started doing in the show and then it disappeared and then it comes back in this episode you get a sense that they I, well, I'm trying to think of the right wording. That there's some jokes to them, that they they have a good back and forth that we didn't see in like the last three episodes. 
you know. Well, so here we haven't seen since, since they were hanging out with the therapist. Here's the that thing. All that. Yeah, here's the thing is that I think what was going to happen when we rewatch this whole show, like when you watch all six episodes, like in like a weekend or whatever, one day, I think what's going to happen is that you're going to see there's a um, there's a second act problem in the show. It gets really laggy yes. in the second act, but the first yeah. act is terrific, and the third act is shaping up to be terrific. It's just the middle act that's like a little bit saggy, and there's like a yeah. bunch of action and back and forth, but like it feels like maybe they could have tightened that up a little bit. It, it feels like they have too many plot lines going and they couldn't focus on any of them long enough to, to build it out. Well, to build out the characters. Well, I guess. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but I think that's why this is my favorite episode of the series. I think it brings all these things in, in a way that feels like one, they're wrapping up the show, even though we know there's yeah. like one episode that's going to be explosive. <laughs> they won't Look, be- this is the second time the show ends because it shows them working on the boat and then a song starts playing. That's like it sounds like Prince, but it's not Prince. And the camera pans up to the sun, to like the sunset, and I was like, and credits. That's the end of the series. Oh, that sound like Prince? The, yeah, the song that started playing. No. Like, like you didn't think? I thought it did. I thought it sounded no. like like it's a, like, like a, a bluesy Zydeco song. It is not like Prince. No, I thought it sounded a little Princey. Uh, but it, it pans up. You see the sun. You could have run the credits there. That's the end of the series. But then it cuts to them playing with the shield. Well, so they're they're doing this work on the boat and they're having a good time. And I think that this is really nice because they're both sort of like um, able to relax and they're able to sort of like pick up um, their lives a little bit. Um, And uh, there is a thing that I really like, which is that Bucky's sleeping on the couch and he's awoken by the two nephews playing with the shield. Yes. And it's a really lovely scene. I'm going to tell you my own neoliberal moment of sappiness, uh, which is that I live in a neighborhood, even before I moved here, my friends lived in this neighborhood and I came here all the time. And on the main boulevard, every Halloween, they do like Halloween trick-or-treating. So the boulevard is just full of kids. Like it's not on Halloween. It's like a couple days before Halloween. They like do the special day and the kids go from business to business and the street's just full of kids, right? And they're all dressed up. And I love to go see because one of the things I like to see is I like to see what pop culture characters are popular. That like it's interesting to me to sort of see what the kids are tuning into um, because it's going to get you a sense of like what's hitting and like what's working. And the year after Captain America, the first Avenger came out, I was on the boulevard and there was a little black kid dressed like Captain America. And I found it just the most moving thing that like – this kid, even though it's a white guy playing that role, could see a space for himself in that character. And that's what Bucky sees with the nephews. He sees them yes. playing with the shield and he sees them bringing that legacy into their own experience. And it's kind yeah. of wild that Sam doesn't see it because that does feel like the kind of thing that might make a difference in res- regards to what Isaiah was talking about, that no self-respecting black man would want to be yeah. Captain America. Yeah, um, and you know, so they they start throwing around the. Um, there, there, there's a second piece there. What's that? Bucky sleeping on the couch. Yeah, every every time we've seen him sleeping so far in the series, Off he's the been floor. sleeping on a floor. Yeah, that's a good point. He's comfortable. I mean, he's more. He comfortable. feels at home. Yeah, he does feel. He at feels home. at home. Yeah, that that is good. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That's very good. Look at you. Yeah, you got that. Um, I, I did not catch that at all. That's excellent. Um, yeah. so they're they're playing around with the shield in the in the in the yard, and they talk about the legacy of the shield being complicated. Um, and then Bucky, as Bucky said, I think it was the most important thing um, that he could. And when people complain, 
So no, nobody knows how to watch a TV show anymore. Yeah. Right? yeah. Because people complained at the beginning of the series that Bucky, well, the way that Bucky was being mean to Sam about not picking up the shield, that it was like, you know, Bucky doesn't understand. Bucky's a jerk, yada, yada, yada. Bucky says to Steve, to him, you know, when Steve told me who was planning, I don't think either one of us could have understood what it would feel like for a black man to be handed that shield. Yes. And like, guys, maybe you don't jump to conclusions on a six episode series <laughs> in episode one based on what the characters are going to learn, discover, or grow into. Like yes. it's a great moment because it is a, a true growth for 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 Bucky, and I think it really speaks to the conflicts again that have come into the show into the legacy of the Shield. I think it tells us that after Zemo pointed out that Trouble Man is a encapsulation of the Black American experience, Bucky listened to it again with that in mind. And <laughs> it opened his eyes to something new. Um, so they're throwing around the shield. Um, and I think it's important to note that they're throwing around the shield, like in a friendly way, because later on when Sam is like really trying to throw the shield, it's much harder for him. But here it's sort of like a tossing the ball kind of a thing, as opposed to like major league batting practice, which is what he's doing later on. Is it? Yeah, it is. The first shot is the, is the shield getting stuck in a tree. Yeah. Cause he misses. He, they're throwing it at the pads. Yes. So I think that Sam is just trying to learn. That's a lot of power, though. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's trying to find out what he's trying to learn. Basically, just how to do basic shield business. Later on, he's like doing like the big stuff. But this is the equivalent of like being out in a field and throwing a ball back and forth. Like major league guys will throw a ball back and forth. They will throw it faster than you and I would. But they're still just throwing a ball back and forth. They're not trying to like make each other miss or whatever. They're just throwing a ball back and forth to get that repetitive motion going. And that's what's happening here. This is like low-level shield stuff. It's just basically hitting off of things. Later on, Sam's going to be doing more high-level shield stuff. But as they're talking, Sam goes into his mode as a counselor, which I really loved here. And he asks Bucky if he's still having nightmares. And Bucky says, I am every night. And that's really important because Bucky didn't want to tell the therapist that. Yes. He feels he feels comfortable with Sam. And uh, he feels comfortable with himself. He's being more honest now, you know. And then he says yeah. Sam tells Bucky like listen, you you've not been making amends. You've been avenging. And that's different. There's two different things. Like you're not, you know, you need to do something for someone to make something better. You're just trying to clean up the messes that you've made by stopping bad people. But what you need to do is you need to bring some closure to a good person. Well, he says, you've been doing it for you. Right. You need to do it for them. Right. And, uh, yeah. And so Bucky, Sam's like, you know, I'm sure somebody in that list needs closure that only you can give them. And uh, be- because nobody on screen says uh, elderly Japanese man, people on, nobody figures it people out. on Twitter were like, <laughs> what? Uh, uh, you know, some one guy on Twitter was like, Ooh, we're never going to see that waitress again, I guess. And I was like, my guy, like, what? Like, Bucky's not been home. Well, I saw that. And first off, I'm okay if we never see the waitress yeah, there's again. There's actually no reason to go back to her. Yeah. yeah. She's not the important part. Right. It's the it's the old man is the important part. And clearly we're going to see him again. <laughs> like, like, come on. Come on. Yeah. I mean, like, the things we're definitely going to see him. And I wouldn't be surprised if in the course of that, we see her again. Yeah, I she's would not be part surprised of that storyline. You know what I right, mean? But like, if she never shows up again, I wouldn't be, be like, fine, right? what happened with her? What right. happened with the, the, the woman he was playing uh, uh, Battleship with? How yeah. co- we never got closer to the Battleship game. Like, no, it's... Well, well, somebody on Twitter brought up to me, like, well, you know, if this was a Netflix show, she would have been in every single episode. Uh, yes. She would have been doing nothing, but she would have been yeah. in every single episode. <laughs> she would have like, had five minutes every episode of her, like, ordering more... Uh, t- more 
napkins. She's like, and, boss, yeah, we're out yeah. of rice. Like, yeah, it would be like yeah. a whole, a whole 25 minute sequence of her having to go shopping for rice. Um, yeah. uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah. It, who cares if we ever see her again? But because this is obviously a reference to that man and she's part of the storyline, it does seem reasonable. We might see her again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he might go to the shop, say, Hey, I'm looking for, I forget his name. And she'd be like, Oh, you missed him. He just left. You know what I mean? Like who knows? Anyway. I saw, I saw people saying that the scene has a line that is stolen from, uh, Justice League, which I thought was funny. <laughs> which so, is what, what line that. is that? It was when when Bucky says there's probably about twelve of them, and Sam says start with one. And people are like oh, that's what Batman says to Flash in Justice League, and Josh means Justice League, and they took it from that. It's like no, I think that's a basic step of improvement. Start yeah, with start one. one thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like, start at the beginning, man. Just do yeah. the first thing. Yeah. Yeah. So they have a nice discussion, um, and Bucky's like, listen, if Carly shows up again, I'm there for you. And they talk about whether they're partners or they're coworkers, and they say, oh, we're just a couple of guys who that's, knew a guy. That's the third ending of the of the, the movie. Yes, that's the third ending of the movie yeah. it is. Uh, because he walks off, Bucky walks off, and um, and Sam walks towards the camera. So then John yes. Walker goes and sees Lamar's parents. You know what kind of business this is? I couldn't figure out what kind of business this is supposed to be. This this is the sushi shop just redressed. <laughs> What business is it supposed to be, though? I think I think it's supposed to be a restaurant because there are there are like tables set up and there's like a he, they're standing at a bar. But there's like tables. It's, with like, it is, how many it's flowers the sushi shop. Yeah, there's a lot of flowers too. But it is the sushi shop just redressed. My I'm girlfriend was like, "Is this a florist? Like, I can't. Like, it's so many flowers. Like, it's too many flowers for a restaurant." Because they, be. they they had to hide that it was just the same place. It's so funny. I'm ninety nine percent sure. I did not go back and check. <laughs> So I can't like I didn't do a side by side, but I'm 99% sure it's the same place and they just redressed it. <laughs> uh, so um, but what if that's the secret is that Lamar's parents own the sushi shop? What a crazy twist. Um, yeah. So John Walker lies to them, says that, you know, the guy that killed Lamar, I killed them. And that was the whole thing. And um, they had this whole thing like, you know, uh, his parents are like, oh, Lamar, I'm so proud of you. And he is just like, this is this is actually just fucking him up more. Um, all of this is fucking him up more. This is making him feel worse. This is not helping. Yeah. He is not getting any closure out of this. And he feels like a big phony piece of shit, clearly. Like it's a very it's a great performance here. It's Wyatt Russell just fucking knocking it out the yeah. park. Yeah. This and, whole episode, Wyatt Russell. And then Wyatt he, Russell and Carl Lumbly are the 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 MVPs of this episode. Yeah, hundred percent. And then he walks out and he walks down the street and there's this big old John Walker is Captain America and yep. poster like all ripped up and shit. And he's like, ah, oh, this sucks. Yeah. It's across um, the street from a Verizon. It is next to a, uh, a little flyer that says punk rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that feels like a comic book thing. Like where the artist just like draws like punk rock music show and doesn't actually yeah. bother filling it in. Like that's what that felt like. Um, yeah. So Sarah, um, you know, has this whole speech to Sam, um, which is like, are you going to let Isaiah Bradley tell you what to do? Like, um, you know, what's the point of all that pain and suffering if you aren't willing to stand up and keep fighting? And then yep. we get Sam's big training montage where he's really figuring out how to like fucking like do the shield tricks, like spinning yes. and like leaping and catching the shield and shit like that. So I think the things that when they're standing, they're just standing there throwing the shield. It's just the basics of it now. He is now doing like, I'm jumping, I'm leaping, I'm bouncing it off four things. Like he's trying to learn how to do like the real Captain America stuff. I, I agree, but there there are also plenty of shots where he just bounces off the tree and then can't like can't catch it. Yeah, yeah well, it's like this 
it feels like they shouldn't have done the previous scene yet. Like this should have come first. I guess I just feel like the previous scene was just tossing the ball, and this is like actually like at spring. This is spring training. Like that's what this felt like to me. Um, I just it, it played very weird to me watching. I was like, we just saw him doing shield stuff, and now he can't do it. Does he open the so case it, now, or does he open the case at the end of the episode? At the very end of the episode. Okay, that's the last shot. So Carly. Um, is uh, in New York City, and she's in the park, and she tells the gang, okay, we got some new help, and Batrock shows up. And uh, her right-hand man's like, well, we work with criminals now? And she's like, well, we are criminals, so why not? Yeah. And um, what's happening is that the GRC is voting on the Patch Act, which we had heard about in previous episodes. I don't understand how the government works in this world, but um, <laughs> I don't understand why the GRC has uh, a – global authorization that they can do a vote on a thing i guess it's some kind of une you know it's a superhero universe you know yeah, I mean, that's I, how it I, is. Don't, I don't know I the don't patch know. act is going to basically make everybody go home and, and i'm pretty sure i'm not positive again this is something i should have checked on i think the one guy who's like why do we even need a vote let's just do it let's just get it done i think he's one of the guys who was the head of shield one of the like the the shield leaders didn't they all get killed no, I don't think so. I think they all get killed in, like, when they're hologram. They're all hologram guys, right? Yeah, but then at the end of Civil War, they're all, or at the end of Winter Soldier, they're all just hanging out at Robert Redford's office, and Black Widow is pretending to be one of them. Oh, he might be. I didn't Redford. see anybody mention that. Usually, I find there's usually some eagle-eyed person that catches that, and I did not. Yeah, I, I could be 100 percent wrong. I, I think he is, but I'm not. I did not double check, so I could be 100 percent wrong. So Batrock shows up. So the GRC is running the Patch Act. The Patch Act is going to make everybody have to go home. All refugees have to return home. It's going to reinforce old borders and yeah. citizenships, and, and we know who's in charge of it. Who's in charge of the Patch Act? Who? Wolverine. So, uh, Batrock shows, so Batrock shows up and, uh, and he's like, I just want to kill a Falcon, which just does not make, I, maybe that's actually the case, but that doesn't feel like the character of Batrock as he appears in the comics. I mean, this is yeah. a different version, obviously, but he's a mercenary. I can't imagine he really gives that big a fucking shit. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? Like he's happy to fucking kill the Falcon, but like he not like in it for the, and we saw Sharon say, I'm going to pay you double. So, I mean, like, uh, I think that you're right. I think that this is, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a, 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 he's, a, a he's a, he's a shoe in the gears. He's a Sabo. He's a Sabo. Okay. They threw a Sabo into the gears. Thus, sabotage. There you go. As she says in Star Trek. Sabotage. I say sabotage. Um, so in the GRC building, um, I guess a lot of budget went to this big room. This is like a big white room with a big screen. Um, yes. Everything else is inside like an abandoned fucking gymnasium. <laughs> I really like it too because the big screen keeps cutting to different people who are just in that room talking. Well, actually, I, I like that because the premise is that this table is supposed to be so big that they put the people on screen so that if you're at the other end of the table, you can see them. To actually see I their face. It just, seemed, it just seemed funny to me. Yeah, it was funny, but I liked it. I thought it was appropriately comic booky. And they're arguing, they're arguing about whether it's very do comic. This. Um, yeah, and the one guy's like, we don't need to vote. Let's just fucking do it. And like, so this is us, to, this lets us know that the GRC is bad. That's how we yes. know. Yeah. And then as it happens, oh my God, some security guards go hail Hydra. I mean, one world, one people. And uh, they turn out the lights and shit starts getting wild in there. Yeah, everything goes red. Everything goes red. And then we see Sam uh, open up the case. Well, nope, nope. We, we see uh, Sam talking to Torres, and Torres is like, 
we've tracked him down in New York, but it could be a VPN. And Sam is watching TV. Oh, we're right. on TV. The news person is like, the GP, they're, they're voting right now. What to do with refugees in New York? And Sam's like, oh, my God. <laughs> so he opens the case, and we don't see what happens in, what's inside the case. But we've already seen nope. the toys and the Christmas tree ornaments. Um, yes. So we know that it's his new Captain America outfit. Uh, yes. I like that. I like that he gets a Captain America outfit from uh, Bucky. I like I like that he gets it from Bucky, made, made from Wakanda. Yeah, it's really yeah. It's, I think it's, it's very interesting. There's a lot of stuff happening there. I think it's really yeah. really good. Um, yeah, and then that's the end of the episode. But there's a mid, the first mid credits. <laughs> what if what if he opens it up and it's just like a really nice business suit? He's like, son of a bitch. <laughs> like this is not what I expected. What if he opens it up and it's the uh, Phase One D Blu-ray set? There you go. <laughs> which came in a, which came in a big briefcase. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just it's it's a. Uh, it's Nick Fury's eye patch. I don't think he's in any of those movies. That's pretty exciting for him. He can catch up on all those movies. He wasn't in any of them. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, and then we have a, a post credits, a mid credit scene, which we see um, that John Walker is making his own shield. Yes. First mid credit scene. Them all. First, first mid credit scene of the series. Um, and he's making his own shield. Yep. All right. So I told you what I thought already. What'd you think of this episode? I thought it was okay. I, uh, a lot of this episode is going to rely on what happens next episode. Because I feel like a lot of this episode is they were like, oh, we forgot to do character beats in the last three episodes. So we got to do a lot of that right now. And they don't do anything interesting with it. It's all very by the numbers. You know, like I said, it's like, here, oh, guess what? Bucky's got a little thing for Sam's sister. Ho ho. You know, it's like, okay, you know, that's fine. And then like bringing in them being kind of goofy with each other again, where it's like, we're not partners. No, we're, we're co-workers. Yeah. We're co-workers who are connected through a guy. We both know, but that guy's gone. Yeah. So we're not even connected anymore. Like, like that's fun, but all of that have been missing for the last bunch of episodes. And I feel like they realized that and like, Oh, we got to fix that. And Julia Louise Dreyfus just feels like she's in a different show. She like, maybe this is on me, but, or, or maybe it's because she opens up with a joke it feels like she's her character from Veep, or you know, and it's like okay. That's I think that's like, on you. Um, that one's on you. I think. I think that she feels like the kind of humor that we have in a lot of other Marvel properties, and it's it, it, it is delightful. I wonder if we had seen Black Widow, we'd have a different feeling about this. Maybe, or, she was or maybe supposed to have by now. Maybe if the scene played different, like the scene feels weird to me, which might be again we see her in Black Widow, and it feels different. But like, I don't know. It just felt off. It, it, it felt like. Like a cameo for cameo's sake, you know, like, oh, look, we got Julie Louise Dreyfus, haha, you know, and it's like, oh, okay. Well, it's the only, it's the first time in the show they've, in, they've put something in that is obviously like only existing to speak to the larger universe. You know, it's, it's that, it, so other Marvel movies every now and again have that scene where there's like yeah. a thing that happens that's just speaking to the larger universe and has nothing to do with what you're watching right now. Yeah. Um, which is why I was surprised that she didn't just give him the fucking shield. That would have at least made a sense in terms of like what she's doing in this show right now, but that yes. might pay off next week. I mean, who knows? Um, you know, I, the thing is that I, Watching this episode, I realize that what this series feels like, this feels like um, a long storyline in the comic. It doesn't feel like a miniseries, and it doesn't feel like a story, like a two-issue story. It feels yes. like if you're doing like a year of comics, this feels like there's six issues that are about this story, and yeah. we're, we're getting just those six issues. 
Yeah. So I, I agree. I and agree so the thing is that like the last two ep- episodes have felt like sort of like the meat of like the action parts of these episodes, like where they're like going places and hitting people and like whatever. And then this episode has been like the issue where the characters like decompress or whatever. And it's in between bits. And then, so it's, they used to do stories. They don't do stories like this anymore. Now stories just take no. place in six part things they put into trades. But if you read some of the old trades, like the Corvax saga, there's yeah. like all kinds of issues in the middle of it that barely have jack shit to do with the Corvax saga. And um, it just feels like we're just skipping those issues. It feel, But it, it has that expansive feeling to it where the story takes place over the course of weeks or maybe even months. And um, there's other stuff happening in the world, and other stuff happening maybe even to these characters in between the things that we see or not. You know what I mean? Like, I, So it feels to me – this worked for me in that way and that it felt like it's a long – storyline that has been weaving in and out of a comic book for a while and they've just drawn all the issues together and cut out the filler issues or the one where like they met pace pot pete that didn't really make yeah. sense or like yeah. a corvette they go back in time meet the royal hide kid in the middle of that storyline like, like like you know i mean like you don't need that like it's in the no. trade but you don't need it um necessarily there's like two panels in that that speak back to the main story um and this feels like a a a compilation where they pull all that stuff together and so that works for me because of that expansive feeling that it doesn't feel like a movie that's the thing i think is interesting about this too is that this doesn't feel like a six hour long movie this feels like a bunch of episodes it really does feel like a bunch of episodes so the idea of 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 a breather episode before hitting the um the finale really i think works for me yeah and and that's one thing is watching this, I don't feel like this is coming to a grand conclusion. I feel like this is coming to something where it's like, and we'll continue their adventures in season two. Like, you know, John Walker's going to be handled. You know, the uh, Carly is going to be handled. Uh, but like, the, the, it's not the end. It's not like, it's not like where WandaVision ended and it was like, yeah, that's the end of that series. <laughs> like that, That's as far as that series is going to go. I can see a season two of this where it becomes captain america and the winter soldier and they're yeah, running around a, doing their neck you could 100 percent see this being season one yeah i mean the one division yes. is is obviously one and done those yeah. characters might come back in another thing or whatever and they might even call it one division i don't even know but like this feels like there could be a second season of this like 100 yes. like yeah there's yeah. no closure on this and there, there can't be because it's just about two guys who do things together that's the yes. conversation they have in their final scene together we're just a couple of guys who knew a guy yeah and that that yeah. works you know but it also like i said it doesn't feel like a movie because of the nature of how the storytelling works. There's so many ebbs and flows to it. And there's so many competing elements that um, make it feel like a different kind of storytelling. And I really like that about it. And um, so I like this episode a lot because I think this is the episode that makes the last two episodes work because those episodes are more actiony and more breathless and more like, they're not even actiony, but they're like more like busy. They're busier episodes. That's why there's not space for character stuff in those two. Cause they're so busy. Everybody has to yeah. go discover things and go places and fly here and do this. This one though, there's just like, now we get to have the characters talking once they've got all that shit accomplished. Yeah. I just, I just, I wish there was more. It just it felt so basic action stuff to me. Like, like you're like, like by the numbers story. There was nothing, you know, you, you could have replaced them with, with, with Riggs and, and Marta or like anybody you wanted from any action series. And it would have been the same episode. Yeah, like there's nothing I, you know, directly 
feeding on who these people are. The thing is that I feel like you're seeing a thing as a negative that I see as a positive. That I think it's taking these characters and it's putting them into classical action tropes and action things in ways that I think work. Now, this is a classical action thing. That boat would have blown up at the end of the episode. And the villain yeah. would have been like, I blew up your boat, Riggs. Um, I've got your family. Right. But that's not, I don't think that's what's going to happen. That seems like it's not going to happen here. Um, I, I hope not. I mean, we'll see what happens next week. And we have that weird bit where, where Carly called his, his sister and was like, well, we don't want anything happening to your children. And that I, has not come up again, that, which is real weird that you wouldn't be like, by the way, those terrorists called me. <laughs> well, I mean, that, like that, that conversation might have happened just off screen. I mean, um, that seems like an important conversation to have. I don't think sure. it's that important conversation. I think that just feels like a Sam. That's fucked up. It's like I'm so sorry, Sarah. Okay. Um, I don't think it's that that important a conversation. Um, but um, I think that only also narratively only existed for us to see Carly moving towards more radical choices. Yeah. Um, being willing to make other people afraid, um, which is the premise of terrorism. You know. Um, yeah. So I think that's the purpose. That I don't think that's setting up. Carly blowing up the boat or whatever. I mean, I'd be disappointed if that happened. Um, but uh, I think that the action moviness of it is what I like about it, that it is a buddy action thing with these two characters. I like that. I don't need it to be I, different. No, I, I that. like that. I just, I wish there was a, a touch of Shane Black in there, you know, something just cause, cause none of the, that's a very conversation started. <laughs> Well, I'm saying a touch. I'm not saying like give me kiss, kiss, bang, bang. But like, like it's all such like even their 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 joke stuff is so by the numbers joke stuff. We're not partners. We're coworkers. Like, yeah, I've seen this a million oh, times. Yeah, 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 yeah. Play with it a bit more. Give us like it just felt bland. Like, yeah, okay. Look, here's the know. thing. I think that actually, I think that this show is being um, hurt by not debuting before Wandavision. Because WandaVision, however else it turned out, there's so much about WandaVision that feels so unique and special and different that having this show, which is very standard, come after it actually deflates it. I think it was not supposed to be that way. This was supposed to be first, right? Yes. And so that's one thing I think that makes a difference. And the other thing I think is that honestly, I like the show very much and I'm really enjoying it. But the, the truth is it's a middle level quality Marvel production. Yeah. This isn't like one of the great ones. And no. they don't all have to be the great ones. Like they can be well, good. And to be fair, for all we know, the last episode could piece everything together and be like, "Oh my god!" Like, and I don't know, even. So- well, the thing I don't think I don't think it can because I don't. My idea of what makes a great Marvel thing is not necessarily like this is mind blowing or this action's unbelievable or this changed the world. It's the character interactions. That's what I like yes. the best in Marvel. That's why. That's yes. why I love Marvel. I love yeah. watching the and, characters. And that's what I feel like is is not great in this. It's not as good as it could be. I agree. Yeah, it's not it's not it's not fully. But I think this episode did a lot of stuff that I really enjoyed. I find it very enjoyable to watch. It's not again, it's not top tier Marvel. I'm sure someday I will have a gun put to my head and I'll be forced to do a ranking of all Marvel properties because those are things people have to do. And this will definitely be in the middle tier of Marvel properties, even if the ending is incredible. I think it'll still be middle tier because it's good. And I yeah. don't have a lot of complaints, but you know, it could have probably been like a little bit like snappier and it probably could have like, you know, the character stuff could have sang a little bit better. Um, yeah. but I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, like, I mean, Anthony Mackie is an amazingly charismatic person and there are moments in the episode where we get to see some of that charisma, like the bit when they're sitting there working on whatever the boat and the, the sister comes up and she's like, I told you it's not the blah, 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 blah. And he's like, to be fair, we were supposed to be done with this before you woke up. And like he plays it really well, like like a very 
like fun way where there are scenes where that, that funness isn't there where maybe they were rushed for time. I don't know, but like he, it it just felt like things were not clicking as well as, as maybe they should. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a COVID issue. Who knows? I don't know. Well, we will find out next week if it all comes together in a way that makes it all more retroactively satisfying or not. Um, in the meantime, as I said at the beginning of the episode, you could find us on patreon.com slash cinemasanga, S-A-N-G-H-A. We have The Bad Batch. It's available to $1 and above subscribers. Bad Batch is the Star Wars podcast. We're doing Rebels Season 3 right now. We're going to start the new show, The Bad Batch, when it debuts in about two weeks. And uh, you have a lot of stuff to catch on. We have three seasons of Rebels, a season of Clone Wars up there. There's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And for $5 and above, you get our new show, Watchmen, where once a month we watch a superhero movie. Now, here's the twist on this. If you're listening to Marvel Vision and you're enjoying... Oh, by the way, people speaking to listen to Marvel Vision, I uh, spoke to one of our listeners from Berlin. Hello, Cameron. I hope oh. that you're doing well. Hey, Cameron. Anyway. Guten Tag. Is that- <clears throat> Guten, he's, not, is he's, that he's, he's not German. I don't know if he speaks German. Oh, okay. He just happens to be living in Berlin. Okay. Um, which takes the real shine off our Ukrainian listeners, because I'm wondering if they're actually Ukrainians or not. I want to have like I, actual hey, Ukrainian listeners. Hey, do not put down our Ukrainian listeners. No, I, we are Ukrainian. I want them to be from Ukraine, though. And we are I, number one in Ukraine and Sokovia. So. Well, actually, we're number two in Ukraine. We're number one in after shows oh. in Indonesia. Yeah, uh, there you go. So um, anyway, $5 and above, we're going to be talking about superhero movies. But the thing is that if you're listening to this for free and you're listening to us talk about Marvel stuff and you're like, oh, wow, I can't wait to hear them talk about Black Widow when that comes out. Well, here's the bad – here's the good news, I guess. The good news is you can hear it on Watchmen. <laughs> which is the new show we're going to have once a month, the superhero movie deep dive. So we're not going to do Black Widow or any other Marvel movie on this podcast. This is going to be just TV shows. Watchmen is going to have the new Marvels. So that's what you want to subscribe to uh, if you want to hear us talk about those movies. And those movies this year are going to include Black Widow, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, and Spider-Man No Way Home. So that's four of those. And then other months when there's other new superhero movies. Don't forget Suicide Squad. Well, I'm saying when there's other new superhero movies, we'll do Suicide Squad. What else is coming out for DC this year? Anything else this year? That's it for this year for, for DC. So that's just five Suicide more. Squad. And then the months that don't have new superhero movies, um, and that's not just DC and Marvel. We're going to do any, any superhero movie that comes out in a month. That's not true. What's not true? Because we, we didn't do the Melissa McCarthy one. I'm not we, going to do that. We made the choice not to do the Melissa McCarthy <laughs> Thunder Force. That was a decision we made. When the months that we're not doing a new one, and it's not just going to be like in Marvel and DC, like we'll do other big superhero movies or interesting superhero movies. Anyway, if an indie superhero movie that, comes that out. Kingsman, if that King, when that Kingsman movie comes well, out. That, that, that'll be, count for us. We'll do that. Or yeah. if a cool, there's been a bunch of indie superhero movies. We'll do one of those when they come out or whatever. But the months where there's nothing else coming out, we're going to have, the listeners are going to vote on what movie we talk about. And that's how we're doing Batman Returns this week. So if you subscribe now at the $5 level, you'll get not just Zack Snyder's Justice League, a.k.a. the Snyder Cut. You'll also get our upcoming Batman Returns episode. So I don't know. I think that's worth it. I think that's like a pretty good deal. And uh, if you are already a patron, thank you so much. It means so much. It uh, helps me pay my rent. It helps keep these shows going. It makes this stuff all happen. And in the meantime, until we're back again next week for the finale, Derek, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at WH underscore Woolhat. You can find me on Twitter at DevonCF. And again, it's, it's patreon.com slash cinema sangha, S-A-N-G-H-A. All right. And until we talk again next week for the finale of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, 
May you be happy, may you be healthy, may you be safe, and most of all, may you remain a true believer.